This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Northern Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and with me today are Kevin Simon and James and we'll also be speaking to Sheffield Wednesday fan James later in the podcast just to make it all a bit confusing with an extra James. Two wins to go over this week, excellent form from Burnley at the moment. So we'll start with you James, you were at Turf Moor at the weekend for the first win that we're going to go over, 3-1 win over Sheffield Wednesday. What did you make of the performance? Um, obviously the result was a great result but I think the performance still showed that we've got a little way to go yet this season, sort of with the side we've got. Um, and ultimately, you know, there's clearly quite a bit of work to do, but while you're getting three points, you're probably not going to complain too much. I think that's a very good way of summing up how, how Burnley are going so far this season. Kevin, you were at the surf as well. Anything in particular to pick out from the game? Burnley didn't seem to dominate, but we're getting the points on the board. Um, no, no, we didn't. But um, I think a few few people mentioned that if you can win when you're not playing well, that's always a good sign. Um, and yeah, we, we we certainly haven't clicked. I think we are getting better though. I think from the, the few the games I've seen, I think we've been getting better all the time. Um, and we certainly um, had periods during a Sheffield, in Sheffield Wednesday match when we were playing very well. Um, there were also periods when Sheffield Wednesday were on top and they probably would feel um, quite hard done by uh, to go out without without anything to show. I think it was uh, they had a, a, particularly a spell in the second half where they had two or three really good chances and probably could have taken the lead. Um, but it was excellent that we, we we managed to weather that and um, get two two good goals at the end as well. I think both the uh, I think all three goals in the game were actually really good goals. Um, it's good to see Gray get involved with two of those goals as well. Um, and again on. Um, on Tuesday night against Milton Keynes as well. Um, I think he's had a really strong start. He didn't have much um, much to play with uh, against Sheffield Wednesday. I don't think the midfield created too much for him. Uh, but he still had three, yeah, still had two really good chances and then managed to put one away himself, which he created himself, which is really good, um, really good sign that where he's he's creating stuff without having that good service, which I think is something we've struggled with for the for, for the rest of the season so far. In that the strikers we've had not been the type of players who can create something by themselves. Um, there's lots of Duke, Duke and Vokes. Um, although Vokes have had a great goal last night, but he's not the sort of player who's going to kind of chase down the ball and really create something, which is what Gray has, has done so far, which is uh, really encouraging. 
And I think it's a goal and two assists for Andre Gray so far. So a very good start from his his first three games. Simon, you were at the surf as well. What were your impressions? It's, it was almost a bit of a smash and grab win, but we were the home side. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know there were, there were times in, in the first half and and and, the f- and and early on in the second half where there was just there was way too much long ball stuff going forward, and it's not. I don't think it's a tactic. I don't think it's that Deitch is telling them you know hoof it up to Big Sam as soon as you can. It's just the way the midfield set up. Sometimes there aren't really that many options on for passing with just two men in there and playing with two two natural wide men. I think you know that the. the the, the most dangerous we've looked is when they've got when when we've got the ball on the ground and started playing a little bit and playing into those channels to Gray because he's very lively, isn't he? He's looking and making moves all the time and trying to lose his marker and so on. Um, and he, he you know he looks a little bit frustrated when those big balls from Duff come down the middle. But I think when we get a chance to to maybe play around with the midfield a little bit when 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 either Marnie comes back or or uh, Joy Barton gets gets Burnley fit and into the team. That should give us some more options, and and by all accounts, you know Boyd was uh, was much better uh, when he switched to the left against Milton Keynes. So that's good to see him get on the scoreboard as well um, after what had been a slow start to the season for him. Yeah, I think Simon's hit the, the nail on the head there. The long ball stuff certainly isn't isn't a tactic from what I see. I think um, it's just the fact that our midfield isn't isn't working. Um, I think our defenders are all playing well. Um, Heaton's um, not been hugely tested, I think, but when he has, he's he's, he's been playing well. Um, the strikers, although um, maybe if you remove Duke from that, but you know the strikers when we when we have been up there have been playing decent, fairly well despite not having the service. But I think in terms of midfield, Jones is the only player that I think has actually been playing really well this season. Um, Kylie's had a few moments, um, but has still largely been um, not. Outstanding, Boyd has been really, really disappointing for me. I think I was I was hoping for him to be a really, really one of the, the championship standout players this season, and it's not quite happened for him yet. Um, and similarly, we all know about Arfield in the middle; he, he can have an occasional game when he plays well, but it's, it's just not effective. Um, so yeah, I think when we do get either uh, when we get Barton in there and we can play around with that midfield a little bit, I think we'll it will hopefully come together a little bit more then, but. When when midfield isn't working, that's a key part of uh, of the team. That's for the team that really the part of the team that makes everything happen. Um, so I think that is still the the problem area for us at the moment. But like my Simon said, we've got two strong players on the way back now, uh, which will hopefully give us a big big boost in that area. It's Freddie Overstad as well, who, who we shouldn't really forget. James, go on. Yeah, I think I've got to disagree with the Carty thing because I think he's sort of probably the best of all our midfielders. Um, and for me, the issue of Amersfield is really the compatibility of Arfield and Jones together. Um, you know, when you've got Jones, I feel like he sits back and you really need someone who's the Dean Morney box-to-box bit alongside him because it seems like they're more in sync when that happens, whereas Arfield seems to not really have a feel for what his style should be in a Burnley centre midfield. And as a result, you, you feel like there's not really that connection between the two of them. And it just sort of falls apart from that. And it was interesting that goal last night, where where Arfield temporarily finds himself in his old position on the right, and suddenly you know he plays that very decisive ball down the flank to to Andre Gray to to create the cross for uh, for Boyd's winner. 
And and it was a little glimpse of the Scott Arfield that we like to see when he's in those wide positions, wasn't he? Because he just seems more decisive. He can deliver those key passes from from narrow, uh, you know, little space on the flanks and, and far more effective than when he's scurrying around midfield, really trying to get involved in the game. I think James has made a, a really good point, actually. I just want to point out, if you can hear indicators in the background when James is talking, it's because he's doing Snopes podcast from his car. So hopefully there will be no accidents. It's my car. It hurts his car, sir. <laughs> it hurts his car. It's, it's a rental. What, what sort of car is it? It's a Kia Seed. Nice, nice. It's alright. <laughs> I don't really like the seating position. It's a bit awkward, but I'll, I'll put it away. It's all gone a bit top gear on the North End of the podcast. Going back to football, what James was saying about Arfield, I think that was, that's a really good point. Arfield, as James is fond of pointing out, has played most of his career as a central midfielder. It's just we've mainly seen him on the right. Not necessarily as a winger, as a sort of wide midfielder. That's, but that's where he's normally played for us, on the right or left of a, of a midfield four. I thought um, last night, when Tuesday night in the MK Dons game, he was much better, actually, I think. Simon's pointed out that he was involved in the goal, that it was much more progressive, he was looking to go forward. And I think the main problem I've got with Arfield in midfield is his positioning. Like James says, he, he doesn't seem sure of his role, and I think with games he's he's grown into it a bit more, and it's it's almost a shame, I think, that Barton's going to be fit soon, Marnie's going to be fit not long afterwards, and we're probably not going to see Arfield in midfield that much, and he just seems to be getting used to it. Um, Kevin, if we can come back to you, we've talked about how dysfunctional the midfield is pretty much every week on the podcast so far, but we should point out that that's now four wins in a row. The midfield can't be performing that badly because we keep winning games. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's performing disastrously, obviously, because we 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 have got those four wins on the, on the balance. But I think I just think it's it's the weakest area of the team at the minute. Um, but yeah, it's it's not something you can complain about too much because while it, it not, might not be um, optimal, um, it's still it, we're still getting the results on the ball, which at the end of, end of the day is what counts. And I think I think what you said there about our field kind of settling into the role, um, I think that that fits quite well as well with that as well because look at the start of the season um, and the way we're playing the first two or three games and where we're playing now. I think the midfield is. It's certainly growing in in strength um, from them to now. Um, so, so yeah, it's not the end of the world, but I, I, I still think it's the weakest area of the team. It's not something to to lose too much sleep over. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the weakest area at the moment. I think it's, it's fair to say improvements can be made, and and that's that's probably a, you could flip it and think of it as a positive in that we're. Third in the league at the, the the time of recording, four wins in a row. And everyone's agreed that we haven't played that well yet, and the midfield isn't working that well. So, imagine how good it's going to be when we actually do get going. Um, Simon Gray and Volks are starting to build a bit of a partnership. Gray's obviously very new to the setup. Volks feeling his way back from injury. Did you see anything on Saturday that? that might be a partnership that's going to work. Volks didn't seem great on Saturday, but he seemed a lot better on Tuesday night. So is it getting there, do you think? Yeah, I think there's some positive signs there. And I think, you know, that um, if if Gray's making those kind of moves, and, and, I, and I hate to make the, the obvious comparison with Danny Ings, but it's it's impossible not to, really, that those little, those little moves off the back man, 
getting getting right up against the the last line of the defence and trying to turn them and so on. And those are those are great things to be able to do if Volks can get those flick on headers or those little balls into those channels for him. So there is a potential there. I think. I think. They, I think. This. You can see what Sean Dash is thinking about those two together. You know. You can. You can see why he signed Andre Gray and why he thought him and Volks would be a partnership, uh, which is a, which is a good sign. I don't think they're there yet. It takes time for that understanding. That little sixth sense that Volks and, and, and Ings had of knowing where each other were all the time without having to even look, that's not there yet. That takes time. But you can definitely see the thinking behind it, and I think there is a lot of promise there. I've been so impressed with Gray so far. I mean, it's it's always difficult coming to a different side, and I think the expectations are so much different for Gray this season. Last year, he was brand new to the Championship. Brentford were new to the Championship. No one really expected that much from him. And he impressed and they impressed. But now he's got a £6.5 million price tag. He's the player we've we've chosen to replace Danny Ings. There's a lot of pressure on him. And I think he's dealt with that very well. He's had an immediate impact. And although Tuesday night's game, he missed a couple of chances. But I've been really impressed so far. I think it's hard to believe that um, not too long ago, it was was not scoring goals for Luton, which... uh... (laughs) <laughs> Which I think I think somebody I think somebody's mentioned that before. I think we did that story about two weeks ago, so I don't think we need to repeat that. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I have a friend who's a Luton Town fan who's, who's a huge fan of Gray's, obviously, and, and but he did say, you know, in in the, in the message he sent me, which was mostly his delight at the uh, salon fee that they were going to get, but w- what he did point out was that Gray will miss as many as he will score. But really, you know, that, that's, that sounds like a criticism. And, he, and he, he could have put one of those chances away yesterday as well, where he was straight through on the keeper and the touch was a bit heavy. But, but it's again, it's another cliche, but it's been in the position to miss those. And, and in our previous games, you know, we, when we talked on the last podcast, after, after, you know, a bit of a slowish start to the season, it seemed, um, our strikers weren't scoring at all and they weren't even getting in the position to score goals. Suddenly we're looking at a striker who's who scored one, set two up and missed a couple of chances. You know, that's action. That's what you want to see from your centre-forward. So I think he's showing a lot of promise. And is he a £6 million striker? Well, he is if, if he takes us up, isn't he? I think there's definitely a lot more to come from Gray as well because I think, like you said, there are, there are, there are chances that he's missing. There's probably two or three that you probably expect him to put away, but he hasn't done. But he's, got, he's created those chances himself. Um, but I, I think he said midweek as well that the way that Burnley play is the complete opposite to what he's been used to playing at Brentford. And you've got to remember, he's come in kind of only just a couple of weeks ago, so he's not had a full pre-season to, to get used to Daesh's tactics and get way, get used to the way we play. Um, so he's, you've got to expect he's probably going to take him a, you know, a good three, four weeks to a month to to really adjust to Burnley's style of play. If it is, I, I'm not, I've not seen much of Brentford, so I'm not sure, but if it is so different to what he's been used to playing for the last year, then... You know that's that's not something you can just change overnight. So he's, I think we've still got um, a lot more to come from him as well, which is re- which is really exciting. What I noticed last night, actually, in the the MK Dons game, is how much he, he's looking to spin the defender. There are a couple of times when he's he's. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I'm going to phrase this without it sounding terrible, but he's got almost a low centre of gravity, and he's almost a bit Robbie Blake in the way. There's no other way to put it in the way he uses his backside as an asset to 
push defenders around. He does that. He pushes defenders around with his backside. I've said it. That's what he does, right? <laughs> and what he does is he he leans himself one direction, then he sticks his backside into them, and then the space. He tried to do it a couple of times last night. And he didn't quite come off. But those sorts of balls into strikers, we haven't generally played those. But now we've got a striker who's going to look for them. I think that's going to be a tactic that we're going to use quite a lot. Especially probably when we get Barton into the side and he's looking to be a bit more progressive on the ball. Get forward a bit more. Get those balls into his feet. Because I think that's the sort of service he really wants. Talking about um, Brentford, I think they were a lot more patient waiting for the opening. So a lot of the time he was just on his toes seeing what was going to happen. Whereas he's going to have to make things happen himself at Burnley. I think that's going to be the main the main difference. Um Spent a lot of time talking about Andre Gray, but our leading scorer remains Michael Keane. Although he is going through a little bit of a gold route by his standards, he hasn't scored for a couple of games. Um, I thought he was absolutely magnificent on Tuesday night. There's one tackle actually in the second half. I, I, I still don't think I'm exaggerating. 24 hours after the fact, I've had time to reflect. It was honestly reminiscent of Bobby Moore. It was that good. One of those tackles where he's full stretch, the striker's favourite, and he gets up in one movement with the ball at his feet it was absolutely superb James how impressed have you been with Michael Keane's starts the season he's, he's probably the standout player in the league at this point is that fair to say yeah he's been great so far um, you know you can't really fault him I don't think on, on the performances he's put in and obviously he's chipping in with goals which is something that although it's obviously not a centre backs you know main skill it's something you really want to see them do, particularly from set pieces. So, you know, he's, I think he's stepped into, you know, there's a big role with Shaka leaving, you know, really well. And you can't really ask a lot more of him than what he's, um, what he's given us. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think Keane Keen is, is is outstanding. I think um, not just a back in voice going through that goal drought. I think every single game um, he still has at least one really good chance. I think he, um, he he had one with his head against Sheffield Wednesday, and another one where it came down to his feet from a corner. And okay, he he he's, he wasn't particularly in a great position, but he he got he got a shot on goal. It went I was going to say it went just over goal. It didn't go just over goal. It went miles over goal, but he was still in there and getting on the end of the ball. Um, and I think it was telling that Sheffield Wednesday's goal came when when he wasn't on the pitch. Um, he he'd gone off, and he he was battling with. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, Dad, but that big striker, the guy who scored, he had a really big, good battle with, yeah, yeah, he had a, he had a really big, good battle with uh, with Keane all, all game, and I think Keane came out on top every time, despite him being a big, a big bullying guy, and it was the one moment when Keane wasn't on the pitch, but managed to uh, to get on and, and get that goal. So, yeah, I, I I've got to agree. I think he's the our, our outstanding player so far. Well, I think he took the the. Player of the Month award for August, which we, we've not been doing it on and ever this season, but I think it would have probably been unanimous. Um, and there was actually talk in the papers that Everton and Newcastle are watching him already, so it's inevitable that Keane's going to be the next player linked with moves away, and we just hope that he's going to be at Turf Moor for a while to come. Um, Simon, as, as well as Keane's played, it's another of our defenders who's caught your eye, the, the new right back, Tendai Duriqua. Yeah, I thought he was outstanding against Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, he got the man of the match award, and, and I don't think anyone else was was even close to getting that on Saturday. He really was excellent. I mean, people said at the start that oh, you know, he looks great going forward. Um, you know, he can whip in some crosses. He's got tremendous pace. 
but there were questions about his, you know, he's got to learn the defensive side. I kept hearing people say and so on. But, you know, if he, if he did need to learn the defensive side, he looked like he'd learned it by Saturday because, um, he, you know, he, he, had, he had players coming at him. It wasn't like he was, um, you know, left alone just to go forward down, down the right as you sometimes are at home. He was being attacked and he, he more, more than handled it. You know, he, he defended very well. He cut in and, and helped the central defenders when he needed to as well. I thought it was a complete performance for him at right back, and and really, you know, he looks like we have replaced Kieran Trippier. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he's on that level yet because, you know, he isn't quite as dangerous going forward. But when he gets to service, and you can see, you know, maybe if he has our field out there with him in in, in the future as well, um, the potential for 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 building one of those uh, partnerships that that were successful in our previous seasons with with two players down the flanks working well together. He he really has the potential to be be important on on both sides, you know, attacking and defending. I I, th- I think he's been outstanding, and and you know, of the signings we've made for the for a relatively small amount of money, um, and it seems a fairly small amount of effort to get him as well. Impressed in a preseason friendly, and we just snapped him up. Um, he looks to have been an absolute bargain. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Really, that he's he's come from Chesterfield and. As you say, he's coming to the size for a post trippy and it's not left that big a gap in the side. Uh, you've got to remember as well he came in as uh, he came in as, as backup to, to to Lawton. I mean, when he when he first signed, his his comments were were, were quite clear on that. Is that he was hoping to come in and impress in training and hopefully eventually break into the team. And he's been lucky to to in, in some respect to that Lawton's injury allowed him to start the season. And I think, like Sam has said, I think he's he's matured incredibly so far in such a short amount of time. I think his first half against against Leeds was very very shaky, and to put it lightly, I think he was he was all over the place at the back, um, um, and he, he he wasn't particularly composed going forward. The second half against Leeds, he was much better, uh, and obviously got that great cross for the goal. And I think since then, he's steadily and steadily been getting better and better, particularly at the defensive side. Um, I think he he'd mastered the, the the forward play quite early on, but he's been getting better every match at the back. I think um, I I took my husband along to a to a Sheffield Wednesday match. It was his second ever football game and his first in about a decade or whatever. And he said uh, he said Duricka was the best player, so that's that's that. Number one fan. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fascinating how well he's done. I mean, we paid up a million pound or something for Matt Lawton and everyone thought he was going to be Trippier's replacement and he's not kicked to ball yet obviously he's been injured but he's waiting at the moment and it's, I've, I've, that's interesting for me I, I wonder how long we're going to go with the Riqua um, James if we come back to you on the same subject it's been suggested in some by some fans that Riqua could play further forward I think especially with Boyd struggling a little bit uh, Boyd was obviously better on Tuesday night, but do you think that is an option that Lawson could come in at right back and Drickwood could perhaps play on the wing instead? He did play on the wing a bit earlier in his career. Yeah, I think it's an option. Um, I think so far Derek has been a lot like um, very early days Karen Trippier in that he's you know he's very good going forward, but he's still a little bit raw on the defensive side of his game. Um, and obviously, I know that before Trippier came to us, he played on the uh, right side of midfield for Barnsley. So it's probably a very similar situation to 
to Trippier's early days at the club, but I think obviously the way to turn him to the elite defender that we sort of got with Trippier is to keep playing him there. So for me, it makes no sense to to do that just to shoehorn someone else into the side. Well, do you, do you not think it's a bit odd that we're going to have a one million pound player on the bench? It, it is, but you know, arguably, I think you just play your best side, don't you? Whether you can, and if if that's him on the bench and you're the informed guy didn't cost as much as him then I think that's a good problem to have really I think that's a fair point um, just one thing to add on Dirichlet I've also been very impressed particularly when he's he's replaced Trippier who, who a lot of people thought was going to be the harder hardest of the three he left to replace I think he's done extremely well but I, I did feel he could have done better for the MK Don's goal it's one of those where he's come at the end of the half a couple of players have maybe switched off a bit and he's been beaten far too easily in the air for me but there's, there's work to do on his game he's not going to be the complete player and as James says Trippier wasn't the complete player when he came it took two or three years for him to get to that level and to come in and do so well I think it's a, a hugely positive thing to talk about and I think we're all delighted with how he's doing um, well preview Derby before the end of the podcast but I did speak to Sheffield Wednesday fan James from the Wednesday Week podcast a bit early to find out what he thought of their game at the turf on Saturday. 3-1 defeat, of course, for the Owls. Joining me now is James from the Wednesday Week podcast. James, you were at Turf Moor at the weekend. What did you make of the match? Um, it was... Um, the only way I can really describe it from a Wednesday point of view is, is probably... It was a little bit gutting, to be honest. I think that we... It, it was our best performance of the season. We, we won the first game of the season against Bristol City, but I don't think we were as fluid as we were probably the last 20, 25 minutes of the first half and the first 20 or 25 minutes of the second half. I think we had a period of, of really good play. I was really happy with the way we were, we were playing the ball around. Obviously, for us, it was the first chance to see some of our new recruits over the last couple of weeks. So particularly, Forestieri was someone that we were all having a good look at who I thought played really well. Um, and quite honestly, for us, stuck away in the away end, it, it was... For a while, it felt like we were just waiting for it to happen. We were waiting to score our second and, and go on and win the game. And as time went on, we kind of started to realise there could be a sucker punch on the way. And of course, there was. Um, so from our point of view, I, I, I felt that we that we played pretty well. What, what did you make of it? How did, how did you think Wednesday got on? I agree, to be honest. I think all of our goals were against the runner play a little bit. Certainly the first one, I think. I think Wednesday had started better, but... I think we, we've had that in us all season. We seem to get our goals when the other team's doing well, which is the reverse of last season when we didn't score our own goals when we were doing well. So we'll certainly take that at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a great sign for any team, I think, because um, I, I, I didn't think that, that, that Burnley looked particularly amazing. But you, you won a game, and on paper certainly, it looks like a pretty comfortable win. Um, I think that defensively we were shaky. Um, we, we we probably, at least two of the goals were, were, were probably one of our back four at fault and we, we didn't really need to give away the, the free kick that led to the first, although I've got to say it was an unstoppable free kick and uh, fair play to David Jones for that because that was a cracking free kick. You you mentioned Forestieri. Um, yeah. he, he was very lively but he had a lot of chances that he didn't really make the most of. I think Wednesday had about a dozen shots and only two on target. Was, was it just that lack of cutting edge in front of the goal that cost you? Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, as, as we speak now, um, I'm I'm pretty shattered tonight after the trip to Bolton last night and uh, the absolute utter 
farce it is trying to get away from that football ground. So we didn't get back until about one in the morning. Uh, it was exactly the same at Bolton last night where we, we created chances, but we just had no cutting edge. We we just don't... We, we've got to, we've got to learn. We've got a new team here that we've put together and that team's got to learn pretty quickly that in this league, and particularly at the level of this league that we want to be playing at, because you know we want to be a top six team. This season, really, we want to be a top six team. Um, you, you can't afford to miss that many chances. You've got to stick them away. Um, it's an interesting one with Forestieri because he's used to being second fiddle at Watford and he comes here as, as now our star signing of the summer and, and he's the main man. Um, he's he, he's going to be playing every game and he's not used to that. So that's a bit different for him and something for him to get used to because that, that obviously comes with pressure that maybe he's not had before when he's had um, the players around him that he's had at, at Watford where you've got uh, Vidra and you've got Deeney who are going to stick goals in whatever they do whereas he's actually under pressure to to really produce the stuff for us which is a bit different for him um, it, it's weird that uh, statistically up until the, the Burnley game I think we were actually the most clinical team in the league in terms of the fact of percentage chances to to actual goals scored uh, which shows how little we were creating before we, we came to, to to, to your place um, and, and suddenly the tables were completely turned where we seemed to create quite a lot and then we just couldn't stick it away um, so it's our own fault you know we, we, we can't just kind of sit and lick our wounds you know we, we, we should we should have done enough to win the game um, what we take from it the positives I suppose is the performance and the fact that you know we we know that we've we've got enough in there to be able to do alright this season um, and I think for you guys, the positives you take from that is that if if a game where maybe you you, you don't really get into into your stride and and don't necessarily get out of first or second gear, and you come away with a, a pretty good three one win, um, that's that's not bad form, is it? Absolutely, I think we're all excited about what we're going to do when we actually do play well again. Yeah. On Forest area, I was doing the live tweets for no and during the game, and a Watford fan follower got in touch and said that looking really lively and dominating the game but not scoring it's, it's just what he does maybe that's something you have to get used to yeah yeah we've we've talk, I've got quite a few friends that are um that are Watford fans who said that he he's he's an amazing player but he can also be an incredibly frustrating player um and you know that's that's something that that we'll we'll learn to live with i think we've we've had a fair share of of quite frustrating players over the years and um i, I think once we once we as fans know the strengths and the weaknesses of the players that we've got, it'll, it'll probably start to make a bit more sense to us. The situation's the same for the head coach. Um, and so we find ourselves where we are in the 18th position, um, probably looking down rather than looking up as it stands right now. And we've got to start turning out some wins. Great. Well, best of luck for the rest of the season and hopefully Wednesday we'll have a, a, a satisfying campaign. So that was James from the Wednesday week. We'll move on and talk about the Derby game next, a Monday night match, which will again screw up our podcast report recording plans. It's almost like the Football League and Sky Sports aren't bothered about how TV games affect our recordings. Um, Derby could be our biggest test so far. Is that fair to say, Kevin? They've had a mixed start to the season, but spent heavily in the summer and they were among the promotion favourites um, I think so yeah uh, not just among the promotion favourites I think according to their fans they were pretty much champions alike before the, uh, before the season started promoted already um, apparently yeah that's it um, and obviously with uh, with, with the, the whole shackle thing which went on in the summer that gives it that little bit of, of extra extra spice as well um, they didn't start off that well um, I'm 
the top of my head tells me I think they've picked up slightly since then. Um, but yeah, there will be a big test. Um, uh, they're probably the, the strongest side uh, we've played so far in terms of um, the quality in the team. Um, and the last two or three years, we've always been there, there or thereabouts at the top of the league. So I think how we do in this game will be a big, big um, indicator about how we're going to do it for the rest of the season. We've had a really strong start. Um, and if we can come out on top against one of the strongest sides in the league, um, uh, particularly away from home as well, that'd be a really, really, really strong sign, uh, strong sign and uh, for our ambitions for the rest of the season. I think it lays down a marker, doesn't it? If you go to a club like Derby, who are fancied as one of the favourites for promotion and get a result, I think we we were mentioned almost in dispatches among among the teams that were fancied to go quite well, but Derby were talked of as as real contenders for one of the top two spots. I think their problems have maybe been a new manager coming in. He's not managed before, although he's been a coach. There were quite a high turnover of players. There were players like Shackle come in at the last minute and then had to get them into the side. So they've had a lot going on at once and maybe they're just starting to gel. Um, but Simon, our record against Derby is fantastic. We played Sheffield Wednesday last weekend and they were one of our bogey sides. It's probably fair to say that we're one of Derby's bogey sides. Yeah, you know, it's been good over the years, hasn't it? And it, it, it is going to be... Uh... It is going to be an interesting one, a tough one, and and, and I think uh, I, I definitely agree it's the toughest one so far. Um, and it will be interesting to see uh, Andre Gray up against uh, Jason Shackle and see or Volksy up against Shackle, perhaps, and and see how that goes and and the reaction of the fans as well because we might have the bizarre situation where who would have thought this six months ago that that uh, Ross Wallace would get a warmer reception from Burnley fans uh, than than Jason Shackle. <laughs> But I mean, that, that was bizarre. On Saturday, it was you know every time he took a corner, he got a standing ovation. It seemed it was quite. I, don't know. I was talking at half time. Somebody was saying you know that we hadn't been playing that well in the first half, and someone was saying could we do we could do we Wallace out there? You know, he seemed to have suddenly in the space of leaving Burnley Football Club, he's become uh, dare I say a legend. But um, there's um, yeah, no, shackle shackle up against the Clarets is going to be is going to be the storyline that people are interested in. But it's one of those games I think where you know. You'd probably be happy with a point, wouldn't you, at this stage? You know, just to keep the momentum going and and, and away from home against against a team that that spent, I think, on the last day of the transfer deadline, they, they spent about ten or eleven million on two midfield players. So, Something like that, yeah, apparently. Yeah. But you know, to replace Will Hughes, who's who's a big big loss for them. I mean, their performances over the last couple of seasons have been built around Hughes in Hughes in midfield and. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they've if they've gelled enough in their midfield to re, to to replace that kind of creativity that Hughes gave them. It, it is interesting, isn't it? They lose their best midfielder and spend ten million to replace them. We lost Dean Martin and signed a kid from Denmark who wasn't going to be ready to play for six months. So it probably signifies the the gulf between the resources available. Um, one midfielder who might be available uh, on Monday night, Kevin, is Joey Barton, who is apparently nearing. Burnley Fitness, as Simon put it earlier in the podcast, I think he was on the bench watching the game on Tuesday night with Ashley Barnes. It was good to see him as well. They both came off at the end of the game and got a good clap from the the fans in the cricket field stand, which we've not even mentioned. Um, But Barton's Barton's arrival rather than return, that's that's going to be a real boost as well, even though he might have to wait to get into the side the way we've been playing. It is, yeah. And I think like we said earlier, um, I think, I think him coming into the side would, would be would allow us to get that, that midfield strength and that, the dynamic of a midfield, which we've been missing. 
Uh, I don't think he'll. Um, I, I certainly don't think he'll start games straight away. I think the first he'll probably start off the bench, particularly um, if, if we're winning games. Dice doesn't like to change his team um, anyway, but particularly if we're, if we're winning games, I can't see Dice making um, any real changes. Um, even if the midfield's not quite there, I think Barton will have a few um, games off the bench uh, before he eventually and, and inevitably uh, make breaks into the starting eleven. It'd be great to have that happen earlier, earlier rather than later. I think he got um, got a goal in an under twenty ones game this this week as well, which is a really big boost. As an aside, we've really got to stop calling these under twenty one games because I think most of the under twenty one games this season. The majority of the players have been over 21. There was one game where I think there was five players that were like late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> we'll round off with predictions then, as we normally do. Derby, Monday night, against uh, in front of the cameras, should I say. Simon, you've already said you'd, you'd take a point, but do you think Burnley could go five in a row? It must be a long time since we've won five in a row. Yeah, I mean, there's some memorable... Uh... Occasions been away to Derby with the crowd singing about Jimmy Mullen for a record amount of time after a famous victory at Derby. I think that was at another ground, I think. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, we could go there and win. We could. I mean, it'd be absolutely fantastic, wouldn't it? But if I was putting uh, putting money on it, I would go with uh, 1 1. Um, Andre Gray's goal, 10 minutes from time, cancelling out Jason Shackles' inevitable opener for Derby. I think Shackle might score an own goal just to repairs <laughs> a bit for, for the summer exploits. Kevin, what about you? What are your thoughts? Give us a prediction. Well, if we talk about own goals, I think it's more likely to be uh, Lee Grant scoring the own goal. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's not in the team. He's not in the team. They've replaced him. Really? That was a good joke, but yeah, it, it doesn't work. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I, I'm going to... A, a win would be would be fantastic, and I think I think we, we absolutely can do it. Um I'm going to go for a draw, Vox. I think that'll be a really good result as well. I'm going to go for for two two. I'd like to see us score score two goals again for the um, third or fourth goal game in a row. No prediction from James. He's he's gone off to to finish testing. He's he's new Kier. I'm sure you'll be able to get updates from him on Twitter or something. Um, speaking of Twitter, we'll hopefully have live tweets from the game on Monday night. If you're not able to watch or get to the game. Uh, follow us at no name Evernet, as always you can also email us with any feedback comments on the podcast always welcome for people to get in touch the email address is podcast at no name ever.net. finally thanks to our sponsors at neville g we couldn't do the podcast or twitter or anything like that without them thanks to kevin simon and the two jameses for joining me i've been jamie smith this has been the no name ever podcast and we'll be back next week thanks a lot Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.